It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right. Thank you so much, Doug Nance. It is a thrill to be here with you as it is every week. My name is JD, and I am the host and curator of the SNL Hall of Fame. I'm also the only person, it seems, that gives a good goddamn if anyone walks in here with clean feet. So if you do me a favor and wipe them off before you come in. That would be large. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair, and each week we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. We've done this three times already. This is season four, and we're about to do it all again. This is our fourth episode of season four. We have already nominated Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Fred Armisen. This week, we are dipping down into the cast member column once again and calling on our friend from the SNN, the Saturday Night Network, Superfan Brigade, uh, Sammy Kay will be joining us to discuss Vanessa Bear. So this should be a great episode. I'm looking real forward to hearing what uh, Thomas and Sammy get up to in their conversation. But for now, I should uh, head on over to Matt's Minutia Corner, and I think I'll do just that. Okay, I'm walking down the hall here. It's bustling. There's lots of people checking out all the exhibits. Uh, there's somebody looking at the Conehead exhibit right now. That's really cool. And just down here past the way is a corner that we like to call Matt's Minutia Minute Corner. And there he is himself in the flesh. Jamie. Matt, what's going on, my brother? Not much, not much. And how about you, Jamie? Uh, you know, just just walking around the hall, checking it out. Yeah, really I really like the the the, the, the new uh new Coneheads exhibit. It's terrific. Yeah, it's right. It's righteous, right? Yeah. yeah. Um great. Well, today I've got a treat. More recent cast member, uh, Vanessa Bear. Oh, this so is going to be great. Yeah, yeah. So Vanessa's five foot six. Um, she was born November 14th, 1981 in Cleveland. Um, her brother, music journal, is a music journalist and punk guitarist, Jonah Bear. Um, she found her love of comedy uh, while battling lymphoma. Lymphobl- no, sorry. She found her love of comedy at age 15, battling lymphoblastic leukemia, uh, saying, shit. yeah, so it, it helped her get through it. Uh, she she is said of has said of the experience, I don't know if it made me funnier, uh, but it was so amazing how it made everything okay, uh, which she then mined for her recent television show, I Love You For That, or, or excuse me, she then mined that for her new television show i love that for you playing a home shopping network host who also overcame childhood leukemia but on the verge of getting fired pretended it came back um to keep her job 
Uh, so it's like, that's a dark twist. That is that a dark is a twist. Very dark twist. It, it just is, you know, that she has that bright, shiny smile. And behind that, there's the mind of a very dark comedian. And I love it. <laughs> um, now, she was a Make-A-Wish kid and uh, got a trip to Hawaii with her family. Uh, as a form of gratitude, uh, in 2015, she hosted the Evening of Wishes. Uh, it's a dinner uh, raising money for the foundation. And then in 2019, she wrote a book, How Do You Care for a Very Sick Bear? Uh, it's a children's book talking about how to help a friend with a long-term illness. So to give kids the tools they need to, to help their friends. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's such a great way to sort of pay it forward, uh, being a yeah. survivor of early illness. Um, now, she attended the Annenberg School for Communication at the University Pennsylvania. Uh, during that time, she interned on Sesame Street and Late Night with Conan O'Brien, appearing on several uh, several bits. So she's one of the many SNL alumnas. Uh, she's an SNL alum alumni who graduated from the intern pool, um, and uh, she was actually on several sketches uh, for Conan on Conan. Um, my favorite being the one where she plays Andy's uh, sister with a crush on Conan. <laughs> I haven't Constantly seen weirded out and very intense. Um, now she, she at that time was also a member of the all woman musical sketch troupe bloomers. Um, she has 50 IMDB credits and three, right uh, as an actor, three as a writer. Um, my favorite SNL, Post SNL role being her as the emotional vampire Evie on What We Do in the Shadows, literally perfect casting. Um, her and Colin Robinson uh, playing off of each other, a delight. Um, when preparing for the show, I love you for that. Uh, or excuse me, when preparing for the show, I love that for you. She bought the executives at Showtime blankets from the Catherine Zeta Jones Casa Zeta Jones line of home goods sold on the channel. So she watched a lot of uh, home shopping network, big fan of the real Salt Lake city, real housewives and hosts a podcast. How did we get weird with her brother, Jonah? That's very cool. That's yes, very cool. Have you listened to that podcast? I haven't. I, I just found out uh, recently, so I'm going to check it out. It, it, oh yeah. It looks like a really cool, cool concept. Like her. Yeah. And, like yeah her and Seth, uh, both have co uh, have podcasts with their siblings. Yeah. So does um, Heidi Gardner. Oh, geez. Well, I'm going yeah, to have to Heidi Gardner, or, or she did anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You have to check all three of them out then. Well, you've got some work to do. I do. I do. I'll leave you to it. Thank you. Getting downloading that now. Right, Matt and Jamie. Yes, thank you so much. And we are talking about a uh, well. This is an episode, actually. I'll say this: that's going to be very near and dear to me. So when uh, when Jamie and I talked about season four back in the spring, and we decided to have a draft to determine the nominees, I told Jamie 
that Vanessa Bear would 100% be the topic of an episode because she's one of my all-time favorite cast members and she deserves it. And I told Jamie, I said, you know, if we do this draft, you know, Vanessa Bear is probably going to be my first pick. So she was my first pick. Here we are. I'm so excited about this episode. And I wanted to introduce our guest to join me in celebrating Vanessa. He's back for his second SNL Hall of Fame appearance. He was our guest in season three for the Rihanna episode. He did such a good job that we just had to bring him back. Sammy Kay from the Saturday Night Network. Sammy, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thomas, it's really great to be here. Actually, not, I, I hate to correct you for my third appearance oh, because I was also on the Seth Meyers episode. So you know, I was able to talk about a writer, my first appearance on a musical guest, and now I get to talk about just a really special cast member, and I'm just excited to dive into Vanessa Bayer and her career and all her contributions to SNL over the years. Before we get into our uh, Adore Fest, Sammy, with Vanessa, and by the way, yeah, thank you so much, third-timer Sammy K here. Uh, before we start fawning over Vanessa Bear, uh, Sammy, we're going to do plugs at the top. We're a little different on this podcast. We let the guest uh, sometimes do plugs at the top. So tell us about anything you've recently done on the Saturday Night Network. If there's anything we can look forward to, anything you're especially proud of in the archives. Absolutely. Well, you know, during the summer season, you know, we typically on the Super Fan Takeover, which is kind of the show that I get the, the host on the network, uh, where we, you know, me and a couple other, you know, pretty prominent SNL fans in the community get together to, you know, talk about some of our favorite sketches from the history of the show. Uh, we've done a lot of drafts in the past. So, you know, during the summer, we do drafts. We've drafted, you know, our ideal episode where we pick like a monologue and a sketch and, and things like that. We've drafted hosts before. So those are probably the, the episodes that I love the most. They're the most time consuming. They can end up being two or three hours, but those are ones that you haven't had the chance to check out. I would definitely recommend. It's fun to see the super fans' preferences and how they value things and everything like that. And you guys do a great job uh, over there. And in our network of SNL fans that we tend to interact with uh, uh, online and on our podcasts, I might consider myself the biggest Vanessa Bear fan, but I think you're close, Sammy, because I've heard you praise her multiple times on different podcasts. So I had to have you on for this episode. I think the world needs a dedicated podcast episode to celebrate Vanessa Barrett's time on SNL. What do you think? Well, you know, I was definitely honored to be asked to be on this because, yeah, like you said, you know, it, it's good good to hear that you're also a huge fan. I mean, you know, it's, it's no surprise because she's just so great. But she's somebody who, when she joined the show, it was, it was just kind of early on in my SNL watching career. You know, I always kind of say that, when I started watching the show in like 2007, 2000, 2008, the first cast member that I really got to see come into the show and kind of progress and then eventually leave and I had to say goodbye to was Bobby Moynihan in 2008. But very similarly, we have in 2010, we have Vanessa Bayer come in with such a strong class, Taryn Killam, Jay Farrow, and Paul Britton, who I think is also super underrated. And seeing her kind of enter this kind of established cast that I was watching at the time, I was like, who's this new face? And I feel like I instantly just clicked with her humor, kind of fell in love with her persona on SNL and all the amazing characters she brought to the stage. Yeah, Vanessa's in that interesting position as an SNL cast member of being widely respected, I think. You almost see nothing negative said about her work on the show. But she also went about her time at SNL a bit under the radar. 
So she joined the cast. You'd mentioned like her contemporaries, but when she joined the cast, she had established people in the cast, like Kristen Wiig, Sudeikis, Bill Hader, Andy Samberg, Fred Armisen, Keenan Thompson, still here at SNL today. He was already an established member of the cast uh, when Vanessa joined. So, so just a just a who's who of cast members that Vanessa had to fit in with. So I'm kind of curious to kick things off. Like, what are qualities about Vanessa that made her get positive attention? even though she was in the cast with, with a bunch of heavy hitters? Well, I think that is, you know, the question itself about how she was in this cast with, of heavy hitters. I mean, she, I think, and, you know, granted, this was, we're talking about shows and, and sketches I watched 13 years ago at this point, back in 2010, but it really felt like just from the jump, she kind of just fit right in, like, and kind of echoing, you know, Bobby Moynihan, as I s- said before, like, these two people had such a challenge of, entering this group of, like you said, heavy hitters, this established kind of connection they all had. And I think she was able to just fit right in, find her niche, and, you know, was able to blend in with the rest of the cast. And, you know, not only is that a quality that I think is something I see to be, you know, um, you know, very positive that, you know, I, I, I look at, but also she just brings such a level of sincerity to all of her characters. I find that a lot of her characters have this sort of childlike innocence to them but then she's able to really juxtapose it with like you know whether it's like a a, a raunchy joke or setting that i think that is like the recipe that you have for like a great vanessa bear character and i'm sure that the ones we bring up today are gonna kind of fit that mold but they never felt like oh i've seen this exact flavor from vanessa bear before she kind of kind of had that theme running through a lot of her sketches and characters, but was able to find a new angle, which is why, you know, I think she truly is one of the greats. Yeah, exactly. She had like a, uh, what I notice, always notice about her was that she had this positive, a lot of times positive, upbeat delivery, but that would make some of the, some of the more, I guess, like raunchy or dark or uh, whatever. When she had that kind of turn in character, that would make it that much more effective because Vanessa, you kind of picture her smiling and uh, just a little more upbeat, but it made the other aspects that she was great at uh, a lot more effective. So that was very well put, Sammy. So what's a sketch or character that immediately comes to mind when you think of Vanessa's work on SNL? Well, I know we're not going to necessarily do this conversation in chronological order, but I do think a great place to start would be the Miley Cyrus show. So, Katie Holmes. You played Batman's girlfriend in the first ever Batman movie in 2005. Which is pretty cool, because I just auditioned to play his girlfriend in the next Batman movie. So, like, do you want to see my screen test? Sure, okay. Okay, let's roll that clip! We need to get out of here. This whole place is going to blow. Oh my God, this is so scary and suspenseful and stuff like that. And I'm in like all this danger and stuff like that. And you're like Batman, so you're kind of like a bat and you're kind of like a hot guy. So it's like really sexy and it's really scary and it's really suspenseful and I might die. Pretty sure it was the Brian Cranston episode from her first season. It might have been, I don't think it was her first episode, but it was either the second or third episode that she was on the cast. Her second episode, she kind of is the star of her own sketch. And, you know, obviously in modern day SNL, like when that happens, we kind of be, you know, you, you automatically kind of be like, oh, who's that? Like, this is huge, especially when you have a cast that's 12, 13, 14 people to be able to get that showcase. And 
clearly she came to the you know the the writers' night that week with just such a great concept and you know the impression itself. I, I think on a, a past super fan takeover. Um, we had like an impression, favorite celebrity impression based episode. And I think she was one of my picks because I was a Disney Channel kid and I grew up in this era with the Miley Cyruses and, you know, the Dylan Cole Sprouses and Selena Gomez. So kind of being able to, as a teenager, see that kind of transition from something that I watched as a, as a kid to something I'm now watching as kind of like a teenager on SNL seeing those worlds collide was always super fun to me when I first started getting into the show. And the impression is just, it's just so good. Like she was able to take somebody who obviously was a huge star, but she was able to kind of find the things that made her, you know, Miley Cyrus, like, you know, the, the nasally voice, everything about it, the, the like we were saying earlier, the, the, the childlike energy, um, it, it was just great. And, and not only was she able to bring such a strong impression to the show in her second episode, but she created like a whole world around it. It wasn't just like her being on, you know, Celebrity Jeopardy or Celebrity Family Feud where she has like one or two lines here and there. And it's like, OK, that's a good impression. She kind of built this built this whole character and, you know, was able to be the star of her own sketch. And I think that's super impressive. Yeah, I think as SNL fans, we watch and we see impressions all the time. So we're used to, we kind of become numb to impressions. And I think a lot of us look for impressions that not only look and sound kind of like the person, but it has to have an angle behind it. And I think Vanessa found an angle behind it. She did have that inflection, the froggy kind of voice or nasally voice. and But she found the angle the uh, almost aw shucks, the world kind of revolves around me, uh, oblivious to certain things, though dad, war- you know, Billy Ray Cy- Cyrus worships her. First played by Brian Cranston. Yeah, that was like the first sketch Brian Cranston played Billy Ray Cyrus in that. Uh, but Vanessa definitely tapped into uh, an angle for that impression. That's why she, I'm sure she did it so many times, is they saw that this wasn't just a throwaway Miley Cyrus, like you mentioned, that you could put it on Celebrity Jeopardy or something like that, and then we'll never see it again. She came into the show with this thing in her back pocket, and and you could tell. And on uh, uh, the Saturday Night Network, they just did an impression countdown, and I was lucky enough to be on the, the final three. But I was pleasantly surprised that this Miley Cyrus impression finished number five on that impression countdown. It was the highest-ranked, wow. yeah, it was the highest-ranked non-political impression on the countdown that speaks so much to that's to, that's yeah, huge that's huge like it's just beloved it was even more beloved sammy than i thought yeah when i brought that to the you know, the super fan takeover episode i did i was like you know not sure if people were going to be you know feeling the same way but i do truly think it is one of the great celebrity impressions on snl and i think vanessa bear was just able to kind of capture like the right moment to do this character or you know to impersonate this celebrity um, the the only thing I wish we would have been able to see, I mean, obviously we got to see when Miley was host, you know, do the classic SNL trope of, you know, now we bring the real person on, um, except, you know, this time there, there's a little bit of a twist. She's playing Justin Bieber, which was very fun, but uh, would have been nice to see her bring this back when, you know, Miley kind of took that era around like 2013, you know, the bangers era where, you know, she had, you know, this whole new look and everything that would have been a cool thing to see, but 
it feels like they maybe decided, you know, we did this a couple times and, you know, let's not, you know, run into the ground, which, you know, I guess you can respect as well. Yeah, there, yeah you're right, though. It would have been fun to see maybe when Miley was kind of getting a little more wild over the years, it would have been funny to see where Vanessa could have taken that. But I think this is a good example of something that that I've always thought about Vanessa. And I said it at the top of the show. It's like, I think when people talk about all time great cast members, they don't automatically, I think people just don't think about Vanessa, but then when they start actually crunching their brains or they're reminded of stuff that she's done, they're like, Oh yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that too. I love that too. So she's one of those ones that slips through the cracks and then people start really thinking about it. And it's like, okay, wow. She does have like this resume. That's pretty awesome. I think another example of that is something that she did in her first season as well. Uh, it debuted in a sketch, but people know it better for weekend update uh, was Jacob the bar mitzvah boy. So Sammy, uh, how did you feel about J- Jacob? I know I love Jacob. Well, I love Jacob because, you know, if people at home can't tell from my podcast appearances, I'm Jewish. You know, I had a bar mitzvah. Actually, I've maybe mentioned this on other podcasts, but my bar mitzvah theme night live. So, you know, I was, you know, a big SNL fan even back then. And, um, you know, I was also a, a counselor at Jewish summer camp. So I have met so many Jacob the Bar Mitzvah boys over the years. And she was able to, again, capture this kind of childlike innocence in her portrayal here as Jacob. I love the interactions she would have at the Weekend Update desk with Seth Meyers. This is something that we kind of talked about on our Seth Meyers episode, where half the fun of these appearances during Seth's era on the show is the dynamic and the interaction between the character and Seth. Like Seth wants to see Jacob the Bar Mitzvah boy, you know, be able to succeed. And, you know, he uh, just, you know, is just a a nervous little kid. And she portrays that so well. And it's so funny. The dare is great. And, you know, this is just, this is a classic. Shabbat is the traditional day of rest, lasting from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. I mean, I've heard of recess, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> the cadence of, uh, of the way Jacob speaks is great. Uh, just like a kid on autopilot reading a rehearsed speech. I don't know if you've seen in your day that type of kid who's just like has this thing that they rehearsed and damn it, they're going to do it. And if you try to interrupt them, they're just going to kind of like ignore you and keep doing what they're doing. And that's like the timid... She played timid so well uh, with Jacob. Like you're, you're absolutely right. The way like she played off of uh, Seth and Cecily and Michael Che. Like we got to see Jacob play off of multiple people too, and it was the same way. Like they would try to interrupt Jacob, and Jacob would just kind of look and then go back into his uh, rehearsed speech. And that was just like all Vanessa, man. Like, uh, and then the dumb jokes about his brother, homework, the Yankees. On the third through six days. God created many more things, such as the sun, the moon, the fish and the birds, land animals, and finally, humans, which may or may not include my brother, Ethan. (laughs) The use of her facial expression to uh, just to get a laugh, but like when she makes a dumb joke as Jacob and then like has that look, just like this was such a... just a fully formed, like perfect. Yeah. And, and one character. thing I'd like to add to this, which I think might be a bit of an underrated moment, because I know she brought this character in a couple of times, uh, multiple weekend update eras, because I think, you know, Che and Jost were around for a couple of these as well. 
But when Cecily Strong was briefly uh, an anchor at the update desk, um, it must have been one of her first shows or maybe her first show, Jacob makes an appearance and Cecily kind of chimes in and (laughs) the Jacob character is just like very nervous, making all these faces, like doesn't interact with Cecily at all. And it's just like such a great like moment, like they're able to kind of find new ways to build onto this, you know, awkward, nervous, Mm -hmm. you know, nebbish kind of character. Um, And, you know, this is is just really great. Yeah, because what do you think is the thing that will that would make a boy like Jacob the most <laughs> is, uh, nervous? Talking to Cecily Strong <laughs> is a pretty girl talking to him. Exactly. So so that was like perfectly well played. Of course, Jacob's not going to say anything to Cecily Strong. Uh, that yeah, that 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 was just so wonderful. The Yankees yarmulke is like iconic yep. to me. With a uh, uh, on top of the curly hair, that's just just like just such a perfect look to this character too. Like when I think of update characters, this is how they should be. Like Jacob was formulaic, but that's fine. Like that's, I think that's how most update characters are, but it's just fun to see how they're going to fill in those beats and how they're going to play off of the update anchor. And Vanessa is just so good at that. Like she understands the timing. She understands the beats. She understands what's funny about this character just so, so perfectly. And I think people, when you remind them of Jacob, it's another one of those where they go, oh, yeah, Jacob, yeah. I love and, that. And another thing to add to this is, you know, she's taking something from her background. You know, obviously she wasn't a bar mitzvah boy, but she was a bar mitzvah girl. So she's able to kind of, you know, incorporate that element of her history into a character that plays for an audience that is ma- is a majority not from that culture. And it still plays. So that is just a, kind of a testament to her ability as a performer and as a, a writer to make it specific to her, but still be able to find something that appeals and makes people can relate to. Everyone can relate to you either were an awkward boy or you knew an awkward boy or you're an awkward girl or, or whatever. So it's, it's, it's very special for me personally, you know, like I said, as someone who's Jewish that, you know, she was able to, to make this such a, a big popular character. Yeah. And as someone who's not Jewish, I completely related to Jacob all the same. So that's like, you know, that's like you tapped into something uh, really special there. So Sammy, where should we uh, go from here as far as Vanessa's work on SNL? What else should uh, should people know? Well, about? I think we've waited long enough to bring up this trilogy of classic commercial parodies, the Totino's pizza roll sketches. Rewatching these today in preparation for this podcast, it was amazing how they were able to take this concept. You know, the the first time it's kind of it's not even really centered around her character. She's kind of like a, a vessel for I think it was like a Super Bowl fun pack to where you know they're advertising when uh, you know you're hungry guys are watching the game. You can be playing with all, all these like little kids toys, you know, while like you know they're watching the serious game. So that is the bit in like the first sketch, you know, the kind of. Uh, you know, everything surrounding, you know, the actual Vanessa character is something that they don't, they kind of, you know, more so develop in the sequel sketches and they just, yeah. Well, with this activity pack one though, I just noticed with her, her, uh, first of all, wonderful delivery as far as the stereotypical wife in those commercials. Who's ready for some more Totino's pizza rolls? Thanks honey. You're the best. Anything for my hungry guys. Like she has that cadence and and that delivery down but her excitement and you had mentioned like a childlike innocence in a lot of what she does and her excitement as that character while doing those children's activities was like perfectly vanessa 
Like it's not like it's not a hassle necessarily. It's even, you know at the beginning of the commercial anyway. It's not a hassle for her. Uh, she's excited to be doing those activities and keeping herself busy while her hungry guys are watching the watching the Super Bowl. Uh, by the end, she's like a little frustrated, but trying to keep her smile and keep it together. And that's just so Vanessa to me too. Like you know, you can tell there's frustration and almost pent up rage there, but she's trying to like play it off and smile and. Say okay, so I think there there is a lot to this activity pack one, and like a good baseline. You mentioned obviously this is a tr- trilogy, but this one was a good baseline for what we're going to see. No, absolutely, um, and this is the also just to think about you know the the hosts that are in all of these sketches are are so great as well. Like you know J.K. Simmons, you know I can see that this is something that was pitched for J.K. Simmons. Like it totally makes sense, but then. In the later sketches, you bring in, you know, Larry David and Kristen Stewart, and, you know, the whole world of this sketch changes. I think a conversation in the SNL community a lot is when you bring back a recurring sketch, how do you iterate on it? How do you take a character and either put them in a new circumstance or build upon it instead of just rehashing it? I feel like this is something from last season on SNL with the Lisa from Temecula stuff that I think a lot of people in the community were kind of frustrated with. But this is like the the blueprint for how you do a recurring sketch, in my opinion. And it doesn't always have to be something where it takes, you know, a crazy dark turn, but it definitely helps that in the second sketch, you know, the dark turn that it takes is is amazing. Like the kind of horror-esque tropes that they're able to incorporate into the sketch are amazing. Vanessa is kind of doing the same spiel that she does in the first sketch about to, uh, the Totino's pizza rolls, but she keeps getting interrupted by you know the people watching the game being like go 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 oh touchdown why not treat your hungry guys to the delicious taste of totino and she gives these like little vocal uh, like inflections to where she's still that like very positive mom character but like you know you're starting to see the cracks kind of form and the escalation in that how it just it really turns into like a horror movie is just is just so fun yeah, this was great emotional acting by Vanessa. Like we're seeing, we're seeing her range. She's a really good actor, honestly. Like I, I, I've noticed just rewatching a lot of her sketches. I think she could act, and we see like some good range on her. She, the way she pivots out of character, just so beautifully. When she sees that there's nothing on the TV, that they're not, the guys aren't watching anything, and they're still chanting like, "Go, go, go, touchdown." Okay, ha ha. Very funny, Steven. <laughs> Are you doing this? Brittany, get in the car! No, 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 oh, fumble! What's happening to my hungry guys? That was a nice pivot or turn from what was established with that character. So I think, you know, the second installment of this Totino's trilogy, two for two. In my opinion here and Sammy, I think in my opinion, this third one that we're about to talk about is the masterpiece of this. Uh, I totally agree with you. And we talk a lot about sketches that I feel like kind of permeate the culture in some way. Like I'm not saying that this is like the biggest cultural moment that SNL's ever had, but this is something that when this came out and, and to this day, I think people still talk about like this sketch. And I think this was something that kind of entered the mainstream, the the idea to bring Kristen Stewart in, who at this time was starting to do a lot more, you know, 
kind of artsy independent movies. They should probably done, you know, movies with like a French director and things like that to kind of incorporate sort of the French kind of romance love story angle to it was just like so genius. Being able to sh have somebody with like kind of the sex appeal of Kristen Stewart and juxtapose it with, you know, the, the mom character that Vanessa Barrett plays in these Totino sketches is like, is just next level from a writing perspective, such a great decision to do. And I, I just love how you have like these kind of two scenes going back and forth, you know, similar to the other uh, Totino sketches where you have the guys watching the game and you have what Vanessa Bayer is doing, but they're in like totally different worlds. Like she is in like some sort of French romantic film the the things that they kind of come up with the to bring in the the totinos in she's drawing kristen stewart and she has like a totinos in their mouth she brings the cigarette in and i think thomas i don't know if, if you can think of a, a better line in these sketches than when kristen stewart asks you know so what's your name and vanessa bear is just like I, i've never had one absolutely genius stuff <laughs> that's perfect absolutely perfect and the way they start building vanessa's character here and the way vanessa starts building her character in these first two sketches before this makes this turn of like we're so happy for her character that she's being seen in this installment like she feels seen and loved and there's finally somebody who's like passionate about her and asking her what she wants and what her name is and uh, gosh, another great line was when Beck says, uh, Babe, what's taking so long with those Totinos? You girls making out back there? <laughs> You're crazy. And then they immediately cut to them making out in the kitchen passionately. And it's just like, it's probably one of my all-time favorite sketches. And I think it's rightfully talked about in, in that way amongst a lot of other SNL fans. I, I saw write-ups about this. I've heard podcast episodes dedicated to this Totino's trilogy. And for good reason, it's just, it's just beautiful. They start speaking French, which was just like a wonderful touch. Like this is just perfect. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when we have a cast member like this, who has never hosted to me, I have always, I'm always thinking of what's the character she's going to bring back, you know, and that this feels like something to where the trilogy is perfect, but if anybody can kind of continue to iterate on this, like this is something if she were to ever host, which please SNL, like I know there's a writer's strike going on and an actor's strike going on, but please consider Vanessa Bayer um, to host. I would love to see them attempt to one up this one because they basically one upped it every time. And I have no doubt that they would be able mm -hmm. to cook something up uh, just as great. Yeah. They could get the old band back together. Maybe uh, I think it maybe was Sarah Schneider and Chris Kelly who uh, worked with Vanessa on this. I'm pretty sure uh, it, it was them. So maybe they could get the old band back together and, and if, and when Vanessa hosts and, and do, this is one of the characters that I, I would definitely look forward to seeing again. And maybe she'll bring Cecily along to do the uh, ex porn stars <laughs> sketches, and we had talked about the Saturday Night Network had just had the impression count impression countdown uh, last year. They had the character countdown is voted on by the SNN listeners, and these ex porn stars finished in the top twenty characters of all time. And this is something that a lot of people really remember Vanessa for and her work with Cecily. And this is what this is one of my favorites too. Vanessa playing the smart one, I guess, Sammy Brecky. I think, I guess. She's uh, I don't know if I'd categorize either of them as the smart one. No, <laughs> no offense to their characters, but 
Yeah, these are really great as well. I mean, to me, if I had a personal favorite rendition of this uh, sketch was is the one with Jamie Foxx. I just felt uh, his kind of, and I, I don't remember which was the first one. His might have been the first one. I'm not entirely sure, but the way that they were able to interact. But obviously, you know, the the key dynamic here is the dynamic with uh, Cecily Strong's character. And I just think it's just a such a funny concept to where you're taking kind of something we see on SNL a lot, you know, the kind of infomercial t- sort of sketch. But instead of making, you know, the product that they're selling something kind of insane or that's where the humor is coming from, you're having the humor stem from the presenters and, you know, let's get even more specific and more niche and let's make the presenters ex-porn stars. And that's not just a throwaway line. That is totally Im- imbued into, you know, their characters and everything they're saying while they're selling, whether it's, you know, you know, diamonds or whatever. And uh, I-, I think for me, uh, these were always 10 to ones, uh, you know, these sketches. And, you know, this yeah. is when I think of like, what's like a quintessential thing I'm looking for in a 10 to one sketch it is this vibe. It's this kind of low rent sort of, you know, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm a little sleepy. It's almost time for bed. And uh, it's also kind of genius placement too, because, you know, infomercials typically are on, you know, like at, you know, two or three in the morning when, you know, you, you are like half asleep and, you know, maybe back in the day you'd, you'd fall asleep and, and you'd wake up and the TV's still on and there's this like crazy <laughs> infomercial on. But uh, yeah, everything about the sketch, the dynamic between Vanessa and Cecily, they're just so lived in to these characters. And, you know, this is an example to where I wouldn't even necessarily categorize this as like a, a, a quintessential Vanessa sort of innocent character. But this is kind of being able to tap into that more just like very vulgar raunchy side that she clearly also has. My brain doesn't function. It got banged off its axis. But I can still notice the sparkle of Sebasi crystals. And she is able to kind of pepper that into some of her more childlike sketches. But this one is kind of like you're turning the hose on at full volume and it's just incredible. Yeah, and the way she conveys comedy in different types of ways, like her versatility, she's she doesn't just have one setting. She can subtly convey the comedy in many different ways. And in this way, it's a couple of different things. I think it's like her eyes and facial expression. She has like those dead eyes during these sketches and it's just the right level for this character. Uh, so like, like just, the, just the way she looks and she doesn't, she, I, don't, I don't remember her breaking in these sketches and they did it nine times. And I don't remember Vanessa breaking in these sketches, but it would have been so easy for her and it would have lost its impact because the part of these characters is that they've been through these harrowing experiences they may or may or may not have experiments with drugs that have caused them to be sedated a lot of times, probably I'm sure the way they're talking. But Vanessa has these dead eyes that are just perfect. And also the way Vanessa strings together nonsense. I lost my foot in my butt. It used to be on my leg until I tried to kick a squirrel and missed really bad. Now when someone's like, sit on it, I'm like, you mean stand on it? And either way, they're like, get out of here. It's just so beautiful. And we'll we'll see that again toward the end of her tenure with a, with a character that I'm sure both of us really want to talk about. But just Vanessa stringing together nonsense is just great. Like she's like a wordsmith in that way both she and cecily did it so so like props to them for coming up with like a quintessential 10 to 1 i'm agree with you sammy like this is 
the exact vibe that I want from a 10 to 1. I want something oddball and weird and something that might make me a little uncomfortable too. That's what 10 to 1's for. They did it perfectly. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that, you know, somebody like Will Forte wasn't on the cast when Vanessa was on. I don't think they overlapped at all. I think he had just left and she joined. But you can totally see somebody like Will Forte, who is in so many great 10 to ones, kind of be somebody in this world, whether he's like a camera guy or a boom mic guy. But, you know, that's just a, a, a little thought I had. But no, I, I think that uh, these are just some some great 10 to one characters. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners will will echo that sentiment. Uh, so we've talked about Miley Cyrus, classic. Jacob, the Marvin Savoy, another classic. Uh, Totino's trilogy, which is just all time great level stuff, and the ex porn stars, very beloved. They finished again in the top twenty characters of all time, as voted by Saturday Night Network listeners. So already we're seeing just some classic, wonderful material by Vanessa Bear. Sammy, what's uh, what's next up? What do you where do you want to go from here? Well, I think we should talk about Don Lazarus next because I think what's really impressive about Don Lazarus is how kind of instantly memorable and and iconic this sketch was or this character on update was and the fact that she debuted it during her last month as a cast member on the show i that there are always these examples throughout snl history especially when you go back and you watch old episodes and you're like oh my god this iconic sketch is from you know uh, the, the end of their run. And this is an example of that where you have this character, she's playing a, a, a weather girl who is just talking in complete gibberish, except you kind of understand what she's saying. Like that is like, I think the thing I kind of take away from the sketch the most is that none of it makes sense. Dawn, is it looking nice for Memorial Day weekend? They better believe that. Well, it's time to pack up that sunscreen and protect those skins because yeah, it's hot and hot. So if it's at that beach and park, stay dehydrated and water that mouth. It's all gibberish. This is something that could easily fall flat, but I think her kind of charisma totally carries this. And she's able to kind of convey some sort of language to the audience that this is something that's funny, but you just have no idea what's going on. And yeah, it's, it's just a total commitment to the bit. For Rick and Morty fans out there, this reminded me of like interdimensional cable, you know, of like a very improv sort of vibe to it, but totally in control. And I think she brought this back to SNL two times afterwards. So I think it was on her last episode. And then I think sometime the next yep. season she brought it back, which was just like, I don't know. I, I, I think that is something that is worth noting because... I think a lot of people talk about this as one of her great characters, but she only did it three times and she did it during her last three episodes of the show, which I think is super impressive. Kind of reminds me of when A.D. Bryant um, left SNL and she had just debuted the, the Trendsetters characters on Update with Bo and Yang, and she ended up doing that for her last episode. It's, it is truly uh, something to where you have to take note of like, Oh yeah, they were cooking until their la very last episode. There was never, you know, a time when Vanessa Bear was just like coasting on SNL. She was always coming up with something great like this. I had referenced uh, when we were talking about the por ex porn stars that she was so good at like at nonsense, at wordsmithing nonsense, and I think this is an example to a greater extent, maybe. And even if even if these lines are on cue cards. Those are landmines that you could trip over. Like if Vanessa screwed up or tripped over these 
these lines on even if it's on cue cards it could come off flat so this is something where you have to be confident as a performer you have to be confident in the material and you just have to have to have that gift of gab that Vanessa evidently does just like amazing wordsmithing by Vanessa just what what you described and it's completely true it's just utter gibberish but just so many funny moments like uh her answer to Che uh saying that she was good in her audition and now she's struggling and then she gives this like gibberish answer like like pointing to the fact that she's nervous essentially uh in her second one uh Che asked her why she's back so soon and then uh there's like a wink wink reference to it being Vanessa's last show uh, Dawn you're back already you were just here and it really didn't work out <laughs> hey it's that last show and I gonna sneak that in <laughs> gosh it's just so perfect like Vanessa playing nervous but kind of in control oddly at the same time it's just coming out not how she wants uh it's it's just beautiful and i i agree with you like it's just unfortunate in some ways that don lazarus debuted so late in vanessa's time at snl i don't know if she came up with this just that late like if it was just she happened to have a really good idea right before she left or i don't know what the specifics are on that but uh i'm glad we at least got to see it two more times after that debut sammy uh yeah no i i totally agree with you on that like and and again i think it just is just a a testament to her as a performer that she was able to kind of bring this heat in so late into her career yeah yeah right and i want to highlight some more vanessa bear awkwardness (laughs) uh if we may and we will go back to season 39 uh, which was her fourth season on snl and this was a sketch called Awkward Flirting with, with Kyle Mooney. This might sound weird. Uh, would you ever want to maybe, like, I don't know, get, you know, more groceries? If for oh, you, because you yeah, should go um, maybe get some more oh, if, in case you run out? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, you know what they say, um, more food... More uh, attitude. Yeah, I think I read that on a bumper sticker or something. Okay. There she go. Uh, Yeah, of course. See you, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is just right up Vanessa's wheelhouse. And part of, to me, what makes her so charming is that awkwardness. Then we see toward the end of the sketch, the uh, her saying something vulgar. To, and that plays so perfectly off of that the awkwardness that we saw throughout this sketch. You remember this sketch, Sammy? Oh, I definitely remember this sketch. And I think what's most impressive about this is that it's, it's a sketch that's funny throughout. You have this kind of awkward dynamic between Kyle Mooney and Vanessa Bear kind of playing a, a quintessential rom-com you know, protagonist. I think Kyle Mooney is more so playing you know, his kind of sort of Kyle Mooney, awkward, nerdy guy character. But I think this whole sketch is kind of just a setup to that one punchline at the end. Everything is just a buildup to the fact that, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm going to you know have sex with this guy. And, you know, she's saying a different word and it's, and it's bleeped out and it's super funny. And it, it just makes me want to see this as like a 90 minute movie. Like the fact that if we were in a different era, <laughs> if, if Vanessa was like a cast member in like the 80s or the 90s, like. We would have totally seen a couple, you know, Vanessa Bayer, you know, led rom-coms. They wouldn't have been like as raunchy or whatever as this, but it's just kind of the, this is the sort of awkward character that she's able to play. And I think kind of pairing her up with 
Kyle Mooney here was, you know, very, very genius. I think this was during Kyle's first season too, right? Yeah, it was very early in his tenure. It had to be, I'm sure. I think it was in his first season. It was toward the end of his first season. Uh, it had to be something too. I think, I think I've heard Vanessa talk about this on her podcast. And I think it came from just how she and Kyle, I think it was maybe a bit that they would do at the office. And it just sort of like, well, let's write this down. Let's turn this into a sketch. This is this is good stuff. So, and yeah, just at the end, like you're right, it was leading to that that whole punchline. It was just really sweet and awkward. And at the end, you know, Beck Bennett plays a character who lives in their building who like asks her if she wants to go have sex. And she just says yes, like just uh, add the blue. And then Vanessa still keeps her tone. Like her tone doesn't change when she just casually says, Okay, well, um, I'm just going to go this guy and then we'll go on our date. Like the tone doesn't change. Like it's just, it's just so perfect. And Kyle's okay with it too. Kyle's character is like, all right, awesome. And then he celebrates that he got, that he got a date with his neighbor that he's had a crush on. So this is just Vanessa to me. Like just her awkwardness shining, but then she but she displays herself with confidence at the end too. It's like she can switch gears, and 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 it just makes so much sense. Like this, this is one of the maybe forgotten gems. I don't know in in SNL circles how how much people remember this one, but it seems forgotten to me, and it shouldn't be. Yeah, I think like when people talk about maybe like Valentine's Day sketches or romantic sketches, you know, at least from you know kind of the recent era, that's where I feel like this sketch kind of you know uh is brought up but you know when you're talking about like classic pre-tapes i think this is like this is like a short film it's not just a sketch in a way like it has like kind of a beginning middle and end and i think on its own just just works as such like a cohesive piece so i I do wish people talked about it more if you're listening if you haven't seen this one in a while it's season 39 episode 17 the awkward flirting uh go check it out and sammy i know i have at least a couple of uh, more examples of Vanessa's SNL genius on my mind, but I want to uh, make sure to give you the floor to to see what else you have. Yeah, I mean, there's some like you know, very minor things. I don't know how much there is to really like go into it, but something that I think is maybe a guilty pleasure for me. I don't know how much like the SNL community or people who watched the show at the time liked this sketch, but uh, J Pop America Fun Time Now. Welcome to J-Pop America Fun Time Now, celebrating Japanese culture, fashion, and musicare. <laughs> I am Jonathan Kavanaugh-san. And I am Rebecca Stern-Markowitz-san. Before we begin, it may be shocking to your ears to hear that Jonathan-san and myself are not actually Japanese. No, no, no one thinks you're Japanese. <laughs> her character's name was Rebecca Stern-Markowitz. It's her and Taryn Killam, who, as a pair... Uh, you know, obviously they came into the show together. I always loved when they were kind of paired up in, in different sketches and they're hosting like a Japanese sort of anime, you know, themed talk show at their, you know, college campus. And Jason Sudeikis is playing the advisor or whatever. So there's a fun dynamic there. Um, and I'm also pretty sure that it's like a throwaway line that this takes place at Michigan State, which I went to Michigan State. So there's like there's like an <laughs> added layer there for me as to why I like it. But they're just totally committed to like their love of Japanese culture and in some senses, you know, appropriating Japanese culture, but in like a, in somewhat yeah. of a loving way. It is it is it does make me think 
or kind of question like, is this something that today would maybe not like fly as well? Like, I don't know. Cause I do think, I it's, think it would, you think it would because I think they're, yeah, I think it would because I think they're commenting on the appropriation. Right. Piece. right. So I think it works in that sense. Yeah, no. And, and I agree. And I was kind of coming around to that, like, you know, in, in my head there, but yeah, no, it, it is totally, you know, coming from that place as you were saying, but you know, I, I just love the sort of dynamic, the relationship between, you know, her and, and Taryn Killam and, and these sketches, um, you know, all, always really worked for me. And then again, just kind of the authoritative figure that Jason Sudeikis played um, as their teacher, kind of, you know, trying to wrangle them and, and their like talk show was always super fun. Yeah. And it's an example, like, because I know she and Taryn are really good friends, even to this day. They're very close. And the examples that we've that that we've given so far of her great work on SNL, it's with a lot of different people. So it seemed like Vanessa was a really good teammate. So she could play well with Cecily or Seth or Che and Jost or Taryn. And it just works. She plays off of the hosts really well. And it seems like she's 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 just like an incredible teammate. And there's something that I love about that. Like you could throw her in, her, her in a sketch with anybody and she'll make it work with that person. She'll, seems like she'll find that dynamic that makes it great. Yeah. And I think it's just like bringing it back to the earlier part of our conversation about what makes her special as a cast member. She had the difficult task of kind of coming in between two very big dominating eras on the show that mid 2000 cast of you know Andy Samberg and Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig and then the Kate McKinnon Cecily Strong era and you know I think a lot of times on on other shows we've kind of talked about how there's like a missing generation of SNL cast members kind of right there where you know we could have seen Taron Killam really be the star but he kind of never had that opportunity and I I think while Taron was on the show you know Beck Bennett comes in and they kind of play you know similar roles there too so the fact that Vanessa was able to kind of navigate these two eras is another example of how she's able to navigate dynamics with many different cast members, finding a way to complement them. And I think that is what really makes for a great ensemble player. And, you know, obviously SNL is an ensemble cast, so she's able to use that to her advantage to be a, a great utility player, but also find her niche with certain cast members. It seemed to be a lack of ego. I think in a lot of ways on Vanessa's part, uh, for sure. And I, I have an example and it's something that people might not, I mean, I think it's a beloved recurring sketch, but it might be still something that people might not totally associate Vanessa with. But I think it's an example of a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. Like she's not the star of this sketch, but she's a great teammate. She acts as sort of the voice of reason and glue and kind of ties the sketch together. And it's these high school theater showcase sketches. And these are great. And I want to specifically talk about the one with Emma Stone when Emma Stone was was the host, because there were so many good lines in there and some subtle things that that Vanessa does uh, about with with her delivery. She's like such a great reactor to all the nonsense. And I know people, Sammy, like in our SNL verse, our SNL community, sometimes scoff at at. Mikey Day explains or Keenan reacts or those tro- SNL tropes, but you kind of need that or else the nonsense that happened that's happening does isn't it needs to be to play off of something that's grounded. If that makes sense, that's why they do the Mikey explains bits and all of that, because you need to 
juxtaposed the nonsense with something more grounded. And Vanessa played the reactor and the person who was grounded so well, uh, specifically in this Emma Stone sketch. Like, you know, these high school theater showcases where these, I mean, these, I guess, well-intentioned but misguided high schoolers put on these showcases uh, about Black Lives Matter and about like whatever whatever social issues are going on at the time. Uh, the program says tonight's proceeds go to Standing Rock. Let's get those Native Americans the pipeline they want. Yeah, I don't think they know what's happening there. And it's just super misguided. And, and Vanessa and Ann Keenan are there to just kind of like react. And the and the just Vanessa's intonation is just so great like i don't i don't know like I, I don't know if it's just me who really focused on a lot of what vanessa was doing in these sketches sammy well i found it to be super interesting when you sent me the notes that this is something that you brought yeah. to the table here and, I, and i'm glad you did because <laughs> it had me revisit this sketch and i think another thing uh, I, I feel like some of the kind of high school or maybe not high school but sometimes some of the theatery sketches people don't love i personally really love these high school theater showcase sketches because anything where you're kind of like poking fun at like kids or teenagers to me like kind of always you know works the line in this sketch where you know they're kind of walking back back and forth and saying can i get a selfie can i get a selfie like that line is like super memorable to me but yeah i mean i even wrote this down in my notes how this is a setup that SNL uses kind of you know the back and forth between a stage show and the audience and sometimes those don't work but in this scenario having keenan and vanessa kind of be able to anchor it and uh, comment on what's going on definitely makes everything that's happening on stage a lot funnier the line that i wrote down that she said she and she kind of throws it off in like the most kind of casual way is like i paid a thousand dollars for that improv class it's just so nonchalant like she could have easily kind of hammed it up a little more but she really just kind of gives off that vibe of like oh man like uh, you know, I'm the parent of these kids and, you know, this is like what I'm spending all my money on. It, it's really funny. And <laughs> I'm glad you kind of brought this one to the table because, you know, there's a lot of examples of sketches where Vanessa doesn't really have, you know, the starring part. She is a, can be a really good utility player. The sketch that kind of not necessarily one to one reminds me of this, but her kind of role in the, the Gemma sketches with Cecily Strong, yeah. you know, She's kind of off to the side, you know, kind of commenting on things, being the butt of the joke on certain things. Um, and I, I think she does a really good job at that. And it's another example of her trying to be a supporting cast member, supporting her cast and kind of giving other people in the sketch, you know, the win and kind of anchoring it. Exactly. Yeah. And and going back to this, uh, the high school theater showcase, there's this one line delivery that I wanted to highlight because I think it illustrates a lot of what we've been talking about. So in one of the scenes within that sketch, the the kids are speaking Chinese or they think they are. They're probably speaking gibberish Chinese and Spanish a little bit in this. So they so they speak a, a, dif a different language. And then Emma Stone asks Vanessa Bear's character. Excuse me, ma'am. Could you understand that? Uh, no. Is it because we were speaking Mandarin? Um, yes. And you only know English? Yes. Sad. Just the way that, that Vanessa Bear says yes, like that delivery of that one word to me conveys the tone of the sketch perfectly and it undercuts the theater troupe in the best way. So she can say one word 
as as an answer to the to some absurd questions. And to me, it's like kind of sets the foundation of why this sketch is funny in the first place. And yeah, it's just those little subtle things that I just watch a sketch performer and I appreciate. That's why I hold Vanessa in such high regard. It's a, in a lot of ways, it's those subtle things. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I'm glad you pointed that out as well. It's just kind of just a very simple thing, like a very simple delivery that kind of contributes to the overall stew of this sketch. And I think it can sometimes be looked at as like a thankless part, like, or, you know, a a part that, you know, you're not getting all the laughs, but she kind of was able to take those and and really, you know, make lemons out of the lemonade and, or lemonade out of the lemons. I got my thoughts backwards, but if if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like Don Lazarus there, doing best Don Lazarus there, Sammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got too much Vanessa Bayer on the brain. I'm starting to turn into her characters. (laughs) And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about one more, Sammy. It's a Christmas classic. To me, it's one of my all-time favorite Christmas sketches. It's the Santa Baby uh, with Ryan Gosling, uh, which is basically a Quentin Tarantino kind of vibes with this sketch. And Vanessa Vanessa and Ryan Gosling play this couple, and they're meeting their new neighbors at, at a Christmas party. And Beck Bennett plays the dad who mentions to his son that Santa's coming. And Ryan Gosling and Vanessa Bear get super excited because they want to meet Santa. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, Cindy and I drove up to Yosemite last month. Oh, gosh, that must have been gorgeous. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is Santa here? Yes or no? And just like tension and awkwardness ensues. And they, they basically intimidate Beck into letting them meet Santa. And it's just so, it's like the vibes are just creepy and off. And I think Vanessa plays like subtly unhinged, like really well here. Yeah, this is a classic. And, you know, I think during the holiday season, this is one that I obviously need to revisit because I I do think it is kind of a, a Christmas classic SNL sketch. This is another example of her kind of mixing the innocence of like, you know, they really believe in Santa, but then you're kind of bringing in the raunchy flavor of like, do they want to like have a threesome with Santa? Like it's very unclear, you know, what their objective is, but I think that ambiguity makes it even funnier. And I think this is something that I don't think we've really gotten the chance to talk about a ton that this sketch highlights is I wouldn't say that Vanessa Bayer is known to be like an amazing or well-known physical comedian, but the physical comedy and like the decisions and the choices she makes in the sketch are very underrated and add a ton. Her, you know, like sucking on the candy cane, like seductively on the couch is like, it's just, it's so funny. And her like, you know, jump, jumping onto Santa's lap, you know, Beck Bennett, you know, ends up in the sketch dressed up as Santa I, th- I think he's crying at one point as he's, he's going totally down the frightened. stairs. Yeah, I think he is crying. Yeah, he's <laughs> crying. Just like the whole situation gets amped up to 11 and she just, you know, jumps on him. And it's just, it, it really kind of showcases that ability that she had that, again, just another tool in her kind of comedy back pocket that it's not something that we, we necessarily saw a ton, but you would see it kind of creep into a lot of her sketches to where she was fully lived in with a lot of the things that she was doing. And another thing to note in this sketch is just the dynamic that she has with Ryan Gosling is so funny. I'm gonna meet Santa, baby! Woo! I love you. I love you so much, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, happy holidays, everybody. I think I beat the traffic. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why is everybody so tense? It's a party. 
right? Woo! Baby, give me some music. Okay, baby. love to know how this sketch kind of came about and, and and everything like that but you know uh it's it's just a, a true classic and I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up this was uh you brought up such a good point about her physical acting and it's like the way she's sitting on the couch the way she and ryan gosling are dancing to that creepy 60s music <laughs> uh, when they're trying to like but hey, let's play some music. Everybody lighten up. And just like the her her movements are so great. I, I think there's an example. She did a sketch with Paul Rudd uh, in season 39. It was this couple that was getting divorced. And somebody, I think it was a Fleetwood Mac song that would come on. And they just couldn't help themselves. And they would dance and stuff. And the way Vanessa was dancing in this sketch was just perfect. So go look up the Paul Rudd hosted episode in season 39. Uh, and I think Peacock may have taken it down, but I mean, it exists. Just look it up. It exists. But so go look that up and just, that's another good example of Vanessa just putting her whole body into it and her mannerisms and just like really immersing herself into something. Sammy, that's a really good point about her physical acting. See another, like, this is what a great sketch comedian does. They have different tools in their toolbox. They can convey comedy in so many different ways. That's what Vanessa does. I think when you really put her work on the show under a microscope, there's just, you, you kind of peel back all these layers that I think because she was on the show during, you know, this kind of lost generation, this lost era of SNL that I think we don't talk about enough. So I'm glad that, you know, she is up for, you know, the nomination to be, you know, in the SNL Hall of Fame and, um, you know, that she, we're getting this opportunity to really, like, you know, talk about her and, and highlight some of her great moments. There's so many that we didn't get the chance to touch on, you know, in her seven year career on the show. Um, one that comes to mind is her amazing Jennifer Aniston impression oh, yeah. that she was able to do with Jennifer Aniston. Like, I don't know if you'd necessarily say, I mean, I guess we talked a lot about Miley Cyrus and her impression of her that Vanessa Bear is like, a top level impressionist, but that one too is like one that is just so iconic. And now why do you think people are so nostalgic for the 90s? Oh yeah, you know, the 90s are great. You know, you go to work, uh, uh, you go on dates, and uh, you go to cafes with your friends, and you all sit facing camera. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, Joey had a really, really bad audition, and we're all gonna talk about it tonight at, a, at the boy apartment. You, uh, you should come. She got the vocal intonation down so well. I know Jennifer Aniston loved it. And I think probably part of it, because it was really an impression of Rachel from Friends, Friends. <laughs> and not necessarily of Jennifer Aniston. So maybe that was easier for Jennifer Aniston to to take and be willing to to make that that cameo on Weekend Update with Vanessa. But that's just such a, that's another great example. Like there's so many things that sometimes as a Vanessa Bear super fan that I tend to forget that she did on the show. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And uh, so she left SNL in 2017. And after SNL, she's had roles in Trainwreck. She was in Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar. She starred on a Showtime show called I Love That For You with Molly Shannon. Um, eight episodes. Sadly, it was canceled. That was honestly the only reason why I subscribed to Showtime. Like, this show <laughs> me made too. Me, 
yeah, the show made me subscribe to Showtime. And then once they announced that it wasn't coming back, I canceled my subscription. Yeah. They'll they'll show them. They'll show them. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to, the two of us canceling our subscription, Sammy, (laughs) is going to show them. But that's like my, that's our uh, solidarity with Vanessa Bear. But I love you. uh, I love that for you. It was a wonderful show she did with Molly Shannon. She has a podcast with her brother, Jonah, called How Did We Get Weird? And I I'm, I listen, I'm subscribed, I listen. I'm the target demo for this, Sammy. <laughs> I'm six days older than Vanessa. Oh, We're wow. Six days apart, <laughs> you really are. So, you really are. Yeah, so like everything they talk about is stuff that I experienced. And, and no offense to like the uh, SNN super fans or any other podcast, but I think my podcasting dream is to be on how did we get weird <laughs> with, <laughs> with Vanessa and Jonah. So I'm going to put that into the, into the ether. I always think of like stuff I could talk about. Anything that they bring up is just like, was my experience too. So, so they have a wonderful podcast. How did we get weird? It's a uh, Vanessa and Jonah bear. So, so go check that out. As far as former SNL cast members, Sammy, who have never hosted the show, where does Vanessa rank on the list of like who you might want to see host? <sighs> Oh man, this is this is tough because I mean I think for me she's right up there with like Bobby Moynihan. I think those are the two for me that I really need to see host. And you know sometimes I kind of worry again talking about this lost generation that we're not going to get any hosts from that era. Like I can see Kate McKinnon coming back to host. I can see Cecily Strong coming back to host. You know Pete Davidson almost hosted, but there's something about that Bobby Moynihan, that Taryn Killam, that Vanessa Bayer era that Nassim Pedrad, you know, I would love to see all those people host because I, I've really, you know, loved what they did on the show, but yeah, she, she's certainly up there. I mean, uh, and I was really hoping for her Showtime show that that would be the perfect opportunity for that to happen. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe next season, I don't know. Kind of think she'll do it at some point. I have a feeling, I think she and Bobby will come back to host at some point. Uh, Nassim and Taryn, uh, maybe not so much. I agree yeah. with you. I'd love to see it, but I think Vanessa and Bobby, to me, there's like there's paths to them coming right. back to host. But of course, we would love to see it. Uh, all right, Sammy. So uh, now's the time. We're in an elevator right now, uh, but we're <laughs> going up like 80 floors, so you have some time to chat us up. So give us your elevator pitch for why Vanessa Bear should be considered for the SNL Hall of Fame. I, I think Vanessa Bear, you kind of, you know, take a look at her career on the show. And and she was able to really do everything that you can really ask for somebody, you know, on SNL. You know, she did impressions. She had very memorable weekend update characters, recurring sketches, you know, whether it was, you know, the first sketch of the night or a 10 to 1, like the ex-porn star sketches. She had such a great dynamic with so many different cast members from multiple eras. And being able to come into the show in the midst of two big waves, the Kristen Wig era where, you know, a lot of women on the show at that time were having trouble kind of breaking through and she was able to kind of find her niche, you know, breaking through because, you know, Kristen Wig was kind of, you know, swallowing up a lot of that real estate on the show, but she was able to come in, you know, make memorable, memorable characters and really represent her essence and kind of a through line throughout all of her characters where you have somebody who feels like she just is, you know, a a child actor, you know, in the high school play, but then sprinkles in just amazing, you know, juxtaposed raunchy humor. And that is just something that she excelled at so much. She had so much great physical, you know, humor, as we discussed, and, and a lot of different things that made her characters so lived in and so memorable. 
And, you know, there, we barely scratched the surface on this episode. So I think as somebody who I think is arguably underrated, I think she certainly deserves a spot in the SNL Hall of Fame. Thank you so much, Thomas and Sammy. That was wonderful. I learned quite a bit. Uh, it's it's interesting to really think about what you said near the end, in terms of you know elbowing her way in when she started in the Kristen Wiig era, and you know blossoming into what she became. Uh, really quite fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for that, Sammy. Thank you so much for stopping by. And Thomas, as always, dynamite. Let's listen to uh, a sketch now. This is Vanessa Bear doing a Weekend Update bit. This is the first Don Lazarus appearance on Weekend Update, which debuted in Vanessa's third to last episode as a cast member. So it's kind of fitting that something that she did just on the way out the door uh, is what we're using as her trademark sketch. Uh, I, I think it's pretty interesting uh, to note that. Um, why don't we just give it a listen? Let's do that now. The winner's really amazed us. So making her live television debut is our own Dawn Lazarus. So what's the weather looking like? And hello and thank you to you. Let's pop a look in at that weekend. Big sunny skies for you. Let's pop it all the way next weekend, yeah? That's a wow. Pressure's gonna push it and it'll come down 10 times. Yeah, what? I'm sorry, what was that? Well, I'll tell ya, rain is on that way, but hey, can it hold it on for a few more days, can ya? You bet it. That sunny skies will push it away then clouds. <clears throat> Excuse me, how? That sunny skies will push it away then clouds, starting for Thursday. Yeah, I don't get it, man. You were really good in your audition, but this is uh, very different. First time it's on that cameras, and it's a big, nervous and gay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I see. So I think you were saying something about rain on that on the way. Is that okay, Dawn? Is that right? Is that true? Hat. Can you can you say more about the rain? Hat. Precipitations, gonna have it, and if I'm you, cancel at that picnic and get it umbrella. At the map, we got it wet from here all the way in here. And that's that sky. All right, well, we gave that a shot. Dawn Lazarus, everybody. Lawmakers in Oklahoma want to make it legal for gun owners to... Oh, I'm sorry, I think we're getting some breaking news. Breaking news. God, boy, and it's a major, big, big, a tropical hurricane. We're talking yikes and wind. Done. You're, you're back? What? Let's have at that top 3D, 3D. Look at wind speed's got a whoosh, and it's in danger. Is it even hurricane season right now? Hat. Did you make up a hurricane because you're nervous? Do betcha. And that's about that your neck in the woods. We're going to update meteorologist Dawn Lazarus, everybody. <laughs> that's dynamite. It's, you know, it reminds me of the Pedro Pascal sketch from this past season. Just when you play with language, 
you know, in such an advanced way, you can have a lot of fun. And Vanessa just owned this sketch. Uh, she had the cadence of, you know, a typical uh, network, not network, but cable outlet weather person, you know, with, with that bouncing sort of delivery. But the language, just, uh, you know, <laughs> just another world. At any rate, that's what we have for you this week. It's been a pleasure, as always, joining you. On behalf of Thomas and Matt, from myself, we bid you adieu. But do us a favor, and on the way out, as you walk past the Weekend Update exhibit, turn out the lights, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Podcasts and such.